Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. And today we have a little bit of a different twist on the whole power woman in the insurance space. Today, I bring you Kristen Isaacson, and she is amazing because she is a multi-dimensional insurance queen. And what we're <laughs> gonna be talking about today is we're gonna be talking about her role in the insurance space, how she empowers others in the insurance space, how she got into the insurance space, and some amazing nuggets I know she's gonna have for you. I personally, am a uh, subscriber to the role play at the Olson Agency Program, or ROPA, and I saw them at IAOA, or the Innovation Conference, back in uh, 2020, and I was just blown away by the concept of role playing, helping our teams to really hear and experience the way that we should be able to work with various techniques, and she does that every single day, coaching and helping other insurance agency professionals to be able to really achieve their dreams, both in sales, operations, as well as hands and feet in the middle of uh, Jeremy Olson's agency there up in Seattle at the Olson Agency, the Allstate Agency up there. So Kristen, welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, thank you. I got a little confused with I-A-O-A-R-P-O-A. We should say that like 10 times really fast. Seriously, that's one thing about the insurance industry, right? We love our acronyms, right? That's right. (laughs) It's its own language in and of itself. Well, Kristen, I know that you did not grow up as a babe in the insurance industry. So tell me a little bit about how you got roped into ROP. Get it? Ha ha. Roped. (laughs) How did you get roped into or how did you come into the insurance space? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. um, Well, I actually started, uh, I was working at a company called Dale Carnegie Training. And that's professional development. So I was teaching for them and facilitating their classes, the Dale Carnegie course. Um, they, they focus in on um, soft skills. So in the area of communications, leadership, sales and presentations, that's their sweet spot. And um, Jeremy Olson and some of his friends and their staff members came and attended a class. And I think it was how to cold call and build new customers. And so we were doing that and I ended up striking up a conversation with Jeremy and he started sending people through our classes and then um, contracted me to do some one-on-one coaching. And once that happened, um, I started to understand what his vision was for his team. I kind of fell in love with his team and um, I ended up walking on the dark side, coming over to the Olson agency and (laughs) Dale Carnegie. Um, the deal was is that I would stay on as a facilitator with Dale Carnegie. So I do that in my off time. Um, it's an eight-week commitment. I teach the Dale Carnegie course. And um, it, I go in, you know, three and a half hours, one night a week to do that. And that's, you know, just kind of a passion. It's a passion of mine. So um, I couldn't stop doing that. And uh, I felt like it kept me fresh as a coach for Jeremy's team. And then um, I work full-time for Jeremy's team. We have six agencies. He has a a book size, $31 million. So there's a lot of activity going on in our agency at all times. And that's, that's kind of in a nutshell how I got here. 
Wow. Wow. So how large is, is Jeremy's team as far as, because I know you guys have people in service, you guys have people in sales, you have people in different aspects. How large is that full team that you coach between those six agencies? Yeah. I mean, at this point we have, I think, 35 team members. Wow. Nice. Nice. So it keeps you very, very busy, I'm sure. They keep me hopping. Um, but the thing is, is that I'm not coaching every single team member um, every day. And, uh, you know, I would say the new ones need more help than some of the more veteran ones. And we've mm -hmm. created this collaborative co culture of more of a think tank culture. So everybody's helping everybody. And um, it's been really fun to see to create, you know, a structure in our agency that promotes my coaching, but then also we have a lot of peer coaching that, that happens too, and our managers coach. Absolutely. So how did you guys come up with the amazing idea that is role play at the Olson agency? Because you really came in, you really took, I know Jeremy's team, and really took it to the next level with the coaching and with being able to create that, that team environment, the team think tank type situation. And I know mm -hmm. that you've been so crucial in that space, but how did you guys come into the idea that you were just so bored, you needed something else to do, right? <laughs> yes, so you guys yeah. decided to take it to the entire industry yeah. in the insurance space, because I know I'm independent and you guys are all state. So I know y'all have, and I've seen in some of the, the comments that people are with State Farm or people were with Allstate and people are independent. You guys have people from every single aspect of the insurance space. How did that idea come about? Well, um, first of all, that is such a gift that we've been given to be able to speak to more than just the Allstate audience, because really what we do speaks to everyone, even if you're not in insurance, I would think. Don't you think so? I completely agree. They're, they're honestly, they're, they're, they're just skills that everybody needs to have, just communication, how to right. be able to connect with people, um, mm -hmm. how to be able to maybe talk people down from the ledge a little bit, how to maybe get people over that hump of, the, of that, over that ledge a little bit when they need to be. Um, all of those are just really life skills. I completely agree. Right. Just right. in that, in a different environment, in an insurance space. Yeah. And so I would say um, when I first started at Jeremy's agency, like I said, he had a very compelling vision. Um, he said, I want to be the Nordstrom of insurance. I want my team, all six offices to operate like one team, because at the time it seemed like everybody was operating in silos where they were just, you know, this office is better than this office and they weren't working together as much as he would like them to see. And he wants to have a team of, you know, just A-list players, like the dream team at the Olson agency. And that was very compelling to me. As I started to work with Jeremy, one thing I noticed very soon on was that he had this whole group of agents that kind of followed him. Like every time some kind of change happened in the industry or in the business, they would call him. So he would get, you know, a rush of like 20 calls in a day. Um, everybody was asking him what he thought. And uh, back when I first started, he had another agent friend. We were sitting in his office over in Renton and he said, you guys, I have this great idea. That's that's the first thing that Jeremy says every single day is I have this great idea. He is like throws like ideas out so fast your head is spinning. But he said, I really want to help other agents across the country. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we should do that together. And I remember his friend Paul and I looked at each other and we're like, but how? And so we didn't know. But do you know what that was? That was putting something out in the universe that started to bake. And True. so that was when he put his idea out there and we started working with our teams and what we found was um, 
we started to need to build some structure in our team and some repeatable processes and mostly around how they talked about insurance because people are not as successful or as they could or should be in this space if they're not very intentional about how they explain how insurance works. Right. And what I mean by that is they have to explain it in a way more simple way than they do. Um, because the reason why people say send that to me in an email is because they're totally confused at the end of the conversation. And so we sought out to create a repeatable process in our agency using Jeremy's 20 um, plus years of experience and my experience being a facilitator in communications and sales. And um, we decided that, you know, when we first rolled it out, that it would just make so much sense to people that they would just do it. But guess what? They didn't. Um, <laughs> they it went in one ear and out the other. Shocker. And that was yeah, because we spent like six months creating this process. And so then we thought, let's take it to the next level. And I said, how about if we just role play it with people and we just make them memorize it? And at first, Jeremy said, no way, that's not, you know, I'm not, I don't do that. I'm kind of got, you know, some social anxiety and I'm not going to role play in front of people. Well, there you go. There he put another thing out into the universe um, because the universe zapped him back by uh, making him start RPOA. But uh, <laughs> what happened was we started to see some huge results after we started to practice. So I equate it to, let's say that you're on a professional sports team and you show up for your game. You're not going to show up for your game once a week without practicing before you get there, right? Right. And so that's really what role play is. And I also think of it as kind of like improv um, where we have to be quick. And the only way to be quick and have quick responses to people is to practice and kind of be agile in our minds and have it be top of mind. And um, it just started to make such a huge difference with the way that people were getting lift in, um, in our business. They were selling more. Uh, but what also happened is they became happier. They became more self-sufficient. They started helping each other more and the culture started to shift. And as we saw this, Jeremy's one of those guys, he starts talking to all of his friends about it. You know, you're not going to believe what we're doing. This is so great. This is giving us lift. And when people started hearing about it, they started saying, gosh, you know, we would want to do some of this. Can you guys come in and talk to our teams? And so I think it really just started to grow from there. And one day he just said, we should start a business called Role Play with Kristen because he really liked the coaching that I did when we were role playing. It was kind mm. of different. It was more building self-confidence and um, helping people like maybe see something that they could tweak instead of breaking them down and just saying, I wouldn't buy from you. Try again. I wouldn't buy from you. Try again. And um, that, you know, we just kind of developed over time, probably with my experience at Dale Carnegie and coaching in the moment. Um, I just developed a strategy on how to coach in the moment with role play and it was effective. And I just said, I'm not going to do that without you. And so we ended up teaming up um, and then bringing on one of our other team members, um, Sonia, who became very passionate about learning and development and growth. And so the three of us just decided to partner and, and throw it out there. And it's been a very amazing experience. I, you know, like it just took off right away. I, we've awesome. never had any downtime since the day we started. Wow. Wow. So how long have y'all been, been doing this open to the public? Like how long have y'all had the role play at the Olsen group? We just started November 1st was um, really when we started. So we've just been doing it for about nine months now. And um, we have over 1,600 users at this point. And it's nice. just every single day. Jeremy always say he always wants to start the day with a ding. 
but, <laughs> and a ding is a new member. And so we get new members every single day, um, people pinging us, people talking to us. And it's just, I, I just never want to think that we're that big of a deal. We really just speak from the heart and we want to help people. And there's nothing more to it than that, other than I think that we have some pretty awesome talk paths that can help people too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can definitely attest to that. So it's made a big difference with my team. And I think it's also for me opened up a lot of conversations that I've needed to have with my team about either fears that they've had or ways that we can get over some of that. So not only is it the actual videos and the role playing opportunity, but it's also the conversations that kind of stem from that within your own team and within your own community as you are implementing that in your agency. So for me, that's been amazing. So as you have worked with women specifically, since this is the power of women in insurance, <laughs> as you have worked with women in the insurance space, do you see a difference between how men and women really approach their roles? And do you find that you have to approach women versus men a little bit differently um, to be able to kind of bring out their very best to be able to empower them to really reach on out and achieve their dreams? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question because as you were saying it, I started to just think about how I coach my team members and I was thinking, gosh, do I coach them differently? And it, it does depend, but overall, yes, I do see a reoccurring theme with women and uh, the reoccurring theme I see is owning their role, believing in themselves. And I think men somewhat have that too, but they come in really geared to like win and a little bit more aggressive. And women say it, but then all of a sudden I hear them saying, I don't own it, or I don't believe in myself, or they let their personal problems kind of, you know, seep into work a little bit more than I see the guys doing. Um, maybe they get a little bit more emotional on the clothes and they, they try to help like too much in the wrong way. And so the coaching I do is probably more empowering with the women than with the men. The men, I'm just like, you know, a little bit more straightforward. And uh, some, you know, I mean, it just depends, of yeah. course. It's not like 100% across the board, right. but I do notice that women really need a, a tribe and they need to believe in themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what types of basic techniques do you use to be able to help the women believe in themselves? Because I think we've, we've talked to multiple different women who have been in the insurance space in a really long period of time. And I think there comes a point in time, and I could say there's been a point in time in my life when I knew that I was playing small and I've, and I've talked about this multiple times, I actually have a podcast at the very, very beginning of all of them. That is kind of my story. And, um, for me, I've known for a really, really long time. I was always told as a child, um, not that I'm, you know, on your psychiatry couch or anything, but I was always told as a child that I'm <laughs> oh, tell me more. <laughs> oh, exactly. Isn't that why you're here? You're going to charge me here in a few minutes, but, um, that I was always told as a child to sit down, be quiet, be be prim, be proper, be um, polite, all these things that little girls are supposed to be. And I think that as I um, I got married, had kids, I had, I had my first child at 19, I was very young. And as I kind of grew up in that space, I think then whenever I stepped into more of a, a business environment, I saw myself more as an powerer than a go out and close, go out and achieve kind of person. I always thought that I was the person who needed to kind of prop up other people. And um, I know that some of the other conversations I've had with women is that a lot of women get to the point in time in their life where they sit back and they say, no, it's my turn. And sometimes, unfortunately, I don't think it comes till sometimes we're older or our children have grown up and all of a sudden we realize, who am I and what am I doing? 
Um, my youngest is 21. So I know that when um, she went off to college, I kind of I kind of had that epiphany, but it kind of happens multiple times throughout your, your life. I mean, it doesn't just happen all at once, but I, how do you really approach women to be able to bring that out in them? And what advice do you give women who know that they really want to be able to step up, be that, but maybe they have some of that fear going on in the back of their mind and or some of the other things that we just kind of have to naturally get over to be able to go on out there and, and to really step up and play big because we... We need to make sure that we are playing big. And I think sometimes for women, it's a conscious decision to do so. How do, how do you generally work with women specifically to help them kind of achieve that and, and achieve that? Well, it's super complex, first of all, because it really depends um, on the situation. So you'll find like in my coaching, and I know that you've seen it, I'm pretty straightforward and direct mm-hmm. in a very nurturing way, um, but I'm not going to let you get away with, uh, with certain things. And so in my coaching specifically with women, if I start seeing people, you know, like act like they're a victim of their circumstances, have a lot of negative, like, you know, attitude where they're always saying, oh, all of the calls, like, you know, nobody's answering today. Nobody wants to talk to me. I just talked to this guy and he wouldn't have anything to do with it. Um, That's a symptom of something else going wrong. I'm not going to coach to that. I'm going to coach. I'm going to probably be a little bit tougher on that and give a little bit of tough love. Like there's no excuse for that because everybody's working the same leads. Mm -hmm. And um, whether you're a guy or a girl, you don't get to use that as an excuse. So sometimes I have to use tough love um, and call them on the carpet on what they're doing. Um, Sometimes I'm going to empower them um, and if I'm, if I'm working on empowering someone, I'm going to build them up and I'm going to bring out their character traits of what I see in them that makes them special and different. And I'm going to encourage them to be using those character traits to make the most out of their opportunity here. About the, that. the frustration as a coach is when they don't use it and mm. they come back to the victim role. And so if we go back and forth too many times like that, I'm going to stay in the tough love space until they change. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified.
Nice. Nice. And I think I that's good to, for us as, as, as women too, to encourage other people more in that tough space. Cause sometimes we do, we let people go all whiny on us because we think we're being nice. We think we're being kind. We think we're being loving, but really all, we're not, we're not encouraging those people around us to be able to play big at that point. I've just really learned that sometimes you have to have tough conversations in order to help people get there. I'm not in this for a popularity contest. And I have to say that's something that I had to get over because I remember taking this role specifically and thinking this is going to make me or it's going to break me because teaching to like a Dale Carnegie, I teach to a live classroom, classroom of people from all different industries. And we're not getting like on the personal one on one level as much. So we're having group conversations. That's totally different than the one on one because the one on one you can run it can run away with you you need mm. to stop people and get them to take action so my role is all about taking action coming up with solutions if i see that people aren't doing that for themselves then i'm going to have to check in with them and ask them you know do you get it do you really want this and the last thing which i think is the biggest thing that holds people back is do you have the capacity to do it so get it get it would be like do you get that the you know what this is do you get that insurance helps people that you know you're talking to someone and you have to advise them you have to advise them because in your mind you're at the scene of the accident they're not they're just buying insurance and they think you know i've got to pay money for insurance you're at the scene of the accident thinking what if something happens and i haven't given them the best advice so do they get that um wanting it means they i mean this is not an industry for sissies you have got to want it. You have got to go out there. And if you're calling leads, sometimes you're going to have to make 250 dials a day. You're going to have to stay tough. You know, you have to stay very resilient mentally. You can't let negative people get you down in this space. And so do they want that? Um, do they want the opportunity to make a really great living too? Like they've got to ask themselves those questions. Capacity would be, you know, maybe you have too much going on in your personal life and you really don't have the capacity to give your all to this. Capacity might be mental capacity. Maybe you really are just someone who isn't mentally tough and this isn't the right industry for you. And you know what? That's okay. Right. Um, but got, you have to be mentally tough because you can't come to work with a negative attitude. I always say everything starts with attitude. Um, so sometimes if we get to that point, I'll have that conversation with them. Um, I would highly, highly recommend uh, the book Lean In. It was written probably about, I would say, at least 10 years ago now. Um, and that is a wonderful book by, um, gosh, her first name is Cheryl, and I forgot her last name. This is totally impromptu, but she is the CEO of um, Facebook, I think. Oh, I wow. Might, I might be wrong, but she had Cheryl Sanders. Okay. And um, she's had a really amazing life, but read Lean In because it's all about how women show up in business. And I think a lot of times, like just like what you were saying, when you're talking about your environment growing up, and we're all products of our environment, every single culture, every single state, um, every country has like a different environment that they're growing up in, and we are products of our environment. We, our history dictates like what our response is to a lot of things. Um, and this book kind of enlightens you to kind of get over some of that stuff and really show up as a woman in, a woman in business. Um, another thing that I've really seen a lot with women is two people in the same head. So you've got this one person that says, I want it, I'm going for it today. And something happens where maybe, you know, that first call you're, you know, maybe you make 20 dials and you feel like you get shot down. And then there's this little gremlin inside your head that's saying, 
you really didn't think this was going to be the best day for you, did you? You really didn't think you could do this. Right. And that other person is cutting you down. You're really not good enough to go build that relationship with a loan officer and have like business coming in and continue to build, you know, a strategy for your business. You're not a strong, powerful businesswoman. What are you talking about? Look at the way you grew up. Like you have this, this person that's sabotaging your success in your head. And so you've got to get rid of the two people. And a lot of times I do recognize that because I can see the conversation going when I'm talking to people. And um, being able to bring those together is um, was pretty fascinating. But and it does it does work if they become very aware of who they are. And sometimes it takes you know maybe you need to go to counseling. I don't know, but um, it's I, I feel like I'm very lucky to be in the role that I'm at because I feel like I've seen it all at this point. Right, right. I think one of the key words you really used is awareness. And I think that that's like the first step. If we wanted to be able to say what the first step is, is to recognize that we do. We have that, um, like you said, the gremlin in our in the back of our heads. And to recognize it is the first step to be able to say, no, I, I'm not going to, I don't choose to participate, right? Um, and to be able to say, that's not, that's not who I am. That's not who I choose to be. That's not where I want to be. And really bonding with the other side of that. And I think that that awareness is the first step that a lot of people need to kind of get over. And then I think over time, and do you find that women can, or people can practice being much more associated with that other side of their body or the other side of their brain that is much more, yes, 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 let's go, let's go through success and through patterning and seeing and recognizing their successes to be able to overcome that little gremlin and then they can say no go away you know do you find that 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 that, that people are able to do that i think the word that you use perfectly was practice and so that's the part that you really if you have a self-awareness like that then you do have to practice and i always say it's like sometimes the hardest workout that you will ever you know, ever do. It's like lifting weights. I'm terrible. It's like, for me, it's like doing a pull-up. So I'm not very like, I've never had arm strength. I don't know why I've always been <laughs> wimpy, but I, I have never, I don't even remember, maybe in ninth grade, I could do a pull-up, but I've never, I've never really, I mean, secretly, I've never really wanted to do a pull-up. Like it's not right. important to me. I like yoga and stuff, but, uh, <laughs> but pull-ups aren't important, but that would be like the hardest workout for me to really like, really have to, you know, build um, and practice so hard that I would be able to do pull-ups. So that would be the hardest workout for me. I, some people are probably laughing right now, but whatever it is, practicing is super, super hard because it's hard to turn your thoughts around. And it does take practice, but yes, it has been you know scientifically proven that when you practice a different way of thinking that you can turn, um, turn around the way that you think. I have this video that I recommend to every all of my team members. I bring it out from time to time. Um, it's it is the funniest video ever. Google it on YouTube. Bob Newhart. Do you know who that is? I do. I do. I remember yeah. him. Yes, he's a really famous comedian. He did this um, this skit on being in a counseling session. And if you Google Bob Newhart, stop it. Um, there's a video that comes up that is absolutely hilarious. I think I've seen it like years ago. I haven't seen it recently, but I'll have to make sure I look it back up. But yeah, go ahead. I, I think I think yeah. I've, I've, I mean, I'm familiar with it. You just have to stop it. I mean, you literally do. And uh, I remember, you know, back many years ago, I was in counseling and I uh, was talking to my counselor like, why do I attract all these people? Because, you know, I think that's another victim mentality is that we think we're attracting all of this. Right. And, uh, and she said, you know, it's really funny that you say that, Kristen, because people are walking around and, you know, they are knocking on doors 
and they are going to, you know, be the, they're going to, you know, knock on doors until they find someone. So while you think you're attracting these people, you're just the one opening your door, close the door. And so to me, that says, close the door to those thoughts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that we need to do that because we do have some probably pre-programmed thinking and um, some insecurities that play out in a business like that. I mean, sales is a psychological roller coaster for anyone, men or women. And we definitely have to stay mentally tough and practice, practice Mm -hmm. these good ways of thinking. Um, I'm a big believer in positive thinking. I am a believer in putting, you know, stuff out in the universe and you do manifest your own greatness, garbage in, garbage out. Um, I always tell my kids that and team members, like you put garbage in your head, like whatever you're putting in, if it's stuff that just isn't mentally healthy, it's garbage in and it's going to be garbage coming out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I, and I think that's one thing that, that people don't do in general is we don't protect ourselves. We don't protect our our mental space and our emotional space. And we don't protect certain things and say, no, I just choose not to be a part of that. And sometimes we, we jump into things that we don't have any reason or need to be in the middle of. And then it does. It, it, it It's like a pollution that just kind of pollutes us in some ways. And I always... I read this book years and years and years ago called um, More Than Rubies back years ago. And um, and they would say everything that comes out of your mouth, everything that comes out of your mouth is either slime or shine. And so everything that comes out thinking of as a bubble that lands on somebody's head and then as it pops, are you coating their spirit with slime or are you coating their spirit with shine? And I think we need to think about ourselves too as what we think and the people we're around and the experiences that we have that we're doing that to our own personal success model right. when right. we are involving ourselves in things that we don't need to be about or you know, and engaging in conversations, like especially, and I know that I am, I have historically, I do not do this anymore, but I have historically, you know, the water cooler talk, right? Sitting around kind of whining, gossiping, completely unproductive. And nine times out of 10, it's negative. Mm-hmm. It's gossip, right? It's judgment. And, um, and I know that I've had to be very conscientious about the fact that I've got to walk away from those situations because they don't, they just don't benefit me. And they just don't, they just don't. And like you said, you need to close the door to some of those people. It's not that we attract them, it's that we have that open door mm-hmm. and we need to treat ourselves with that respect as well to be able to close that door and keep those things at bay, to keep ourselves healthy. And I, I like that. It's a great, I like that closing of the door, opening of the door. And I like that analogy. I know, I always, I always like, shut the door, shut the door. Yeah, I, um, you know, uh, it has been proven that we have 50 to 60,000 thoughts that run through our head a day. And yet think about how many that we really like hang on to. And of those ones that we hang on to, how many of them are positive? Right. And so I think that, you know, people are really predispositioned to think about negative things and hang on to that and go down the downward spiral of, you know, negative thinking. And it's so funny when I do start thinking, I would say I'm a pretty optimistic person. So I'm, I drive my daughter crazy sometimes. And I'm like, what about this that's going on that's good? What about this? Because I think I've taught myself to do that. But when I do start thinking about the negative things, I just ask myself, I'm like, really, Kristen, that's the one you decided to hang on to out of 50 to 60,000. Like you decided that one, like get rid of that one. Right. So sometimes when you, you know, fill yourself with um, information, I think science, you know, there's a lot of science and positive thinking. There's something called uh, the Buddhist study, um, where they actually studied um, Buddhist monks' brains. And, you know, they're trained to think, to get 
disassociate themselves from negative thinking mm -hmm. and their brain chemistry was different because they practice um, gratitude and they practice, you know, um, being very thoughtful in what they think about and uh, reducing the negativity in their lives. And, you know, we need to do that. So if you, you know, a lot of times you need to take a deep look at what you are doing and Absolutely. Um, figure out what you can take away. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. I'll have to look that up. The What did you call it? The Buddhist study? I think it's called the Buddhist monk. I don't know where I'm coming up with all these things today. Like <laughs> I, have, I have a little bit like I do, re, you know, research a lot and watch a lot of like a, a good stuff. And I, you know, kind of I have a hobby of, you know, researching psychology and cognitive behavioral science and things like that. But it's uh, I don't know if I'm stating it right, but I'm sure that if you just Googled Buddhist monk study, um, brain science or something like that, you'll find that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, you've already given us so many different resources to be able to really move forward in our journey, being the very best team member that we can be, no matter what it is our team member level orientation is. And I know we had talked about the fact that part of my passion for the power of women is in insurance is women of all spaces inside the insurance industry. So um, if somebody wanted to be able to reach out to you and or role play at the Olson Agency, how would someone be able to get involved with y'all's program and or be able to connect with you specifically to be able to, and, and, and I, Kristen, I, I apologize, I forgot to just thank you. You have been phenomenal. The the tons of, I don't even want to call them nuggets, they're big massive <laughs> boulders of information. Um have been amazing and I would love to have you on again at some other time to talk about some additional topics but if somebody wanted to reach out to you be a part of role play at the Olson agency and or connect with you how would you recommend for someone to do that um well they can reach me just Kristen it's k-r-i-s-t-i-n at insuranceroleplay.com um, so you can just reach me, just email me and, uh, just let me know that you heard about me through Teresa and, um, I'd be happy to talk to you. And then we do have a website. It's just insuranceroleplay.com. And so you can check us out there. We also have a Facebook page that I think a lot of people find a lot of value in. We're big on adding content and value to people's lives. It's a very clean page. There is not negativity because that's not what we represent. I think yeah. you'll probably, you notice that a lot, right? I do. I do. Yeah. And so that's just role play at the Olson agency on Facebook and you can just request to be a member. And if you say you're part of Teresa's team, then we'll let you in. Well, you know what? I really appreciate all you and Jeremy are doing for the industry. And I love the, 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 the hands and feet aspect of what we're able to really see you guys actually doing with your team, the transparency of it. I, we were in a session last Friday and um, you guys mentioned a video that was on the Facebook page specifically about a team member i can't remember the term of it now i think it was called the cleaner and um, oh, yeah. and i yeah. went ahead and i went to it and about halfway yeah. through it was like are they talking to their team are they talking to us but i realized it was just a, a video that you guys had created for your team that you guys had made accessible to people who are inside of the role play community and i just thought how awesome and transparent that you guys take your actual legitimate coaching and conversation opportunities and put them out there for all of us to be able to see. So thank you guys so much for your transparency and being able to coach the insurance industry as a whole and um, through service, through sales, through conflict resolution, talking to other like uh, partners through loan officers and so forth. So it's been amazing. Thank you so thank much. You. All right, everybody. 
This has been the Power Women in Insurance, and I am so excited today that we were able to talk to Kristen Isaacson of the role play at the Olson Group, as well as the Olson Agency. So uh, everybody, make sure that you do subscribe to the podcast down below so that you can hear other powerful women who share their story, share their boulders and nuggets of information so that as we sit around, we encourage other women in the insurance space to go on out and reach for that brass wing brass ring. You guys, everybody have an amazing day.